Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. When do you want to know what you're going to do? Tomorrow. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Guys. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogan. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogue and Johns with you back again here in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. It's been a heck of a week. I'm tired. I feel like I've had some good meals. Great meals. We had a great meal last night. Did the almost thing. Yeah, our, J- our JD dinner. Right. You know, annual dinner in his honor with a bunch of bottles of prisoner wine. Yes. Yeah. And Jeff Joniak telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> Which is becoming an annual tradition yes, down here that, story I'm, that I'm loving very, very much. We get One Night with Joniak, uh, which would be like a great movie or something. One Night with Joniak? <laughs> what type of movie are we talking about? I don't about? know. Based on some of those stories last night. Hey, now. <laughs> uh, there it is, a little tease for you that you'll, we'll never cash in. Never. Um, <laughs> make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam John. A lot of good content this week, a lot of good conversations. We're going to share a lot of that with you in this episode. I almost feel like I need to apologize that everything's so quarterback-centric right now, but look, the entire NFL world is down here. and That is what everybody's talking it's, about. It's, it's what the conversation it is. It is, wherever you go. Yeah. What are the Bears doing? Which quarterback do they like? It, that's it. it. That's it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think we're overdoing it at times, but this week is just not one of those times. It is the biggest story, and, um, you know, we're going to keep that conversation going today as well. Again, uh, subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, and follow us on Twitter at Hogan Johns, HoganJohns.com for all the merch. Go check it out. But, yeah, I mean, look, so um, just so everyone knows, we are recording this episode Thursday morning. Um, we have an interview with Kalen Kaler that we actually recorded yesterday, just for proper context when we go to that interview. And then we also have Randy Mueller, um, who does a great job from the GM's perspective, the former GM, uh, and all the great work he does with The Athletic, The Athletic Football Show. Um, and he's going to kind of give us the GM perspective later on in this episode as well. So it kind of pieces it all together um, for you on the timeline. But yeah, I mean... Well, let me let me just ask you off the top, like, what's your biggest conclusion or takeaway? The week's not over, but we've been here now for three days. What are you feeling right well, now? Well, I'm feeling that the Bears are going to take a quarterback. <laughs> um, that is probably the only feeling. Yes, they have other concerns and needs, roster holes. you got to consider the receivers. You have to consider the defensive ends. Now it's more likely the ninth pick. Um, 
obviously there's free agency still going around. I feel like in the past, like free agency took up a bunch of this podcast, took up a bunch of all the conversations I would have around the combine. Yeah. But when you have the first pick, you have a current quarterback to trade, there's just it's just different. Those are the conversations I'm having. I'm not even starting those conversations. There are, people are coming to me with those questions about the Bears quarterback. Yeah, they're asking making. us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what's going on. We're getting felt out on this. A hundred percent. You're right, because like, I remember some of the episodes we've done down here. We've... Uh, Man, we were uh, the David Montgomery year. We went through like every possible running back while we were down here. That because seemed like the Bears were going to do that, and they did. Um, they didn't have a first round pick or a second round yeah. pick that year. Started with the third round. There was a basically an emergency Mike Glennon episode um, when our jaws hit the ground when we were we were here late in the week and we were hearing that <laughs> Mike Glennon was in play for the Bears, which ended up being the case. Yeah, um, I remember sitting in a Spring Hill Suites hotel room doing that show. So yeah, a lot of these times that's the conversation. It's free agency or it's other draft positions. We were actually at at one point last night at dinner even talking about. How it's like you forget the Bears have the number nine pick. You you forget they have eighty million dollars in cap space. <laughs> um, it's just an amazing position to be in for the Bears in terms of like setting up your your, your franchise. You could get your GM, your head coach, and quarterback all on the same you know not that timeline, but all on the same page for the first time in a long time, right? Well, well, you hope that's how it plays out, right? Because you know. I also get the sense talking to some other people, and maybe this is mostly media people this week that like they keep bringing up. Well, but what are you going to do? Fire Eberflus after the season? And I'm like, I don't see that coming. I, I, I you know, going to be a disaster, right? And I don't see that coming either because I just I I think we both think they're going to be better. Yeah. Um, however, we've also seen disaster play out, and certainly if they go through a four game stretch like they did to start the 2023 season um it might be hard it might be hard to keep them but I just I don't see them starting 0 and 4 again and getting blown out by the Kansas City Chiefs 400 nothing or whatever it was <laughs> I think it was 500 it felt like it I, I just think like the Bears I put this on my column today where I every vibe I get here is that the Bears are taking a quarterback and they feel ready to take a quarterback you know why they feel ready because some of their hard work from the past couple seasons, it showed on the field. Yeah. Their defense is one of the best in the league over the second half of the season. And you have an opportunity to get better in free agency. You have the ninth pick. You still have this draft capital. Like Speaking of like David Montgomery, you had no top 50 picks, no top 75 picks because you traded to get your quarterback. The Bears are in position to draft their quarterback first overall and add around them with the $80 million in cap space with the ninth pick, which you could trade and add more capital. You're going to trade Justin Fields and get more capital. It's just an amazing, unique opportunity for this organization, one that I've never covered, one that doesn't exist in the NFL often. And I think that's part of the reason why when push comes to shove and we're going to have this conversation here with Kalen about you know Kayla Williams and his camp and what's going on with his dad, I think even on their side – they're going to realize, look, all the con- sure, all the concerns about Chicago and being a Bears quarterback and all that, it's all very, very valid. I mean, history is what it is for over a century. We get it. But if there ever was a time to be drafted to the Chicago Bears, 
This is it. This is probably it. It's because, not 2017. It's not 2021. This is not the situation that Mitch Trubisky came into. It is not the situation that Justin Fields came into. They are they are in a position finally where they can say we have a roster that a rookie quarterback and and hopefully a coaching staff too. We're still getting to know you know some of these new guys that you know Shane Waldron and and the pieces of the offensive staff, which feels very new, but. You know, like the hope is that the pieces are there now to support Caleb Williams well, or whoever well, it is coming in here to have success. Some of those pieces are already there. DJ Moore, like in the past 2017, 20, going into 2018, for example, you had your quarterback, but now you have to spend money free agency to, to get an Al Robinson, to get a Taylor Gabriel, to get a Trey Burton. In this instance, you already have Cole Komet. You already have DJ Moore. There's already pieces on the roster. And then again, you have 80 million to add more, and the draft capital is still there. It wasn't there after the Trubisky pick, or at least not some of it. It definitely wasn't there after the Justin Fields trade-up. Right, right. So, you know, before we get into this interview, I, I would just say, like, for me, when the week's not over, there's more conversations to be had, but it seems like a foregone conclusion Justin's getting traded, and it feels like a foregone conclusion the Bears are going to draft a quarterback. I think there's a 95% chance that quarterback is Caleb Williams. There yeah. might still be a small window where they come off him for whatever reason, which is part of what we're going to talk to Randy Mueller about later on because yeah. he wrote about this in The Athletic. But I still, if anything, my takeaway from being here for three days is the assumption that we've sort of had now for months feels more, even more solidified. Yeah, being here in this combine bubble, and I mean, nothing you, has changed my mind. Nothing that I've heard. You talk to people that don't even understand why it's a conversation. Like seriously, they're like, I don't, I don't understand why you would ever do anything other than draft Caleb yep. and trade Justin. Like, and and those conversations are kind of fun to have because you're like, sometimes when you get out of our Chicago bubble, you you hear like that outside perspective, and like I, I, I don't sometimes understand why this is a big deal. It, it almost as if that conversation doesn't exist elsewhere. <laughs> I know it's on TV. I get it. You know, like every day I feel like there's another clip out there of some sort of former player saying what the Bears should do. But I don't know. I don't think it's the same as no. it is in Chicago. No. All right. Um, well, Kalen had her big story come out Wednesday in The Athletic. Make sure you read it. Um, all about, you know, I guess, some of the concerns with Caleb Williams and the role of his dad and how much of a problem that might be for the Bears or other teams to have to vet all this. Some of the conversations that have happened going back to last summer about team equity. Uh, it's a it's a really good story. Make sure you read it. Um, but we had a chance to sit down with Kalen, discuss the story, discuss kind of how it all came together. And um, here it is. We'll, on the back end, we'll, we'll talk about our conclusions from it. All right, Kalen Kaler, who uh, had the great piece on Caleb Williams, the family, the whole situation, a lot of the, the deep dive into sort of the things maybe going on this behind the scenes. If you haven't read it, absolutely have to read this piece on The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Nice job with the story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I want to start with the start of the reporting. Yeah. So if you can take us through, I guess, the order of it, like what piqued your interest, yeah. which source had something of interest to you. Can you yeah. just take us through it a little bit? So I think I was at the New York owners meetings and at that point in the season, it was like mid October and like the Panthers were horrible. So it was like, Oh my gosh, are the bears going to have the number one overall pick again? Like, could we, 
could this be happening? And at the time, Caleb Williams is top quarterback. He's been kind of the presumed number one pick for a while now, as you guys know. And so I started paying attention to him around then. And over the summer, Sports Business Journal had put out a report that NFL owners had voted to prevent um, non-family members seeking ownership in teams. So meaning it was inspired by players. And then Pro, um, Pro Football Talk followed that report and said it was inspired by the vote was inspired by Aaron Rodgers and representatives of Caleb Williams, who had been seeking partial ownership or talking about it in conversations with potential agents. So then I had a source um, a few months later that fall who was like, hey, you're going to want to keep an eye on this because there's been a group of owners who have come to the NFLPA to complain about how much quarterbacks are getting paid and kind of informally raised the idea of putting a cap on this quarterback salary. And they were like this, they were kind of linking it to Caleb and they were like, keep an eye on this, like file this away for later. You're going to be interested in this. And I was like, wow, this kid has not played in the NFL. And he already has the power to make owners afraid of him because they're, you know, making this uh, proposal. They passed a proposal that said you can't sell stakes to players, essentially. So they've already done that. And then at the Super Bowl, the NFLPA executive director said that he was having conversations with owners about players getting equity in the league instead of teams. And this was something that was on his agenda when he was talking to owners. He's new to the role. So I'm like, okay, two things. He influenced owners to vote. Um, partially, and then he's influenced the NFLPA executive director to start having conversations about different ways players can earn compensation. So I'm like, this this player is really powerful already, and he hasn't even entered the NFL. And then, um, so as I'm starting to kind of like look into him, I'm like, he didn't sign an agent. So I'm like, okay, who despite do I despite miss like, right not missing but meeting with all these despite different agents. his his dad interviewed several agents and tried to get information from them and, and actually challenged them. He was like, hey what can you do with the CBA? Like what loopholes are in here? How can we earn money that it's preventing us from doing? Because as you guys know, as I'm sure all the listeners know, like rookie salaries are extremely detailed in there. Like you are under contract as a first round pick for four years. There's a fifth year option. Then they could franchise tag you for three more years. So you could be with a team below earning below market value for eight years. And you know, that's part of the CBA that's outlined in the agreement between the NFL and the NFLPA. So there's really little work around there. And so they ultimately didn't sign an agent because um, the dad, Carl, was just not satisfied with what agent's ideas were to help them out, to help them get something more. And he's coming at this. He's an NIL megastar. Caleb has earned multi-million dollars as a college athlete and endorsements from Dr. Pepper, from Wendy's, from Nissan. So he's entering the league as a completely different player than we have ever seen. And one scout told me my favorite quote in the story was, this is not as simple as the number one quarterback going to the team who has the first overall pick. It's complicated because he's different. And he's got a dad who is very involved. And quarterback dad is nothing new. We're all familiar with that. It's been around for a while. Um, The involved parent, quarterback mom, can be a thing too. Um, But... It's different because Caleb has actually made money, and that's why it's different because he's coming into this with, like, real power. And so the question is, what does that mean? Um, you know, what his dad has a lot of big ideas. Does, does his dad speak for Caleb? What does Caleb actually want? And so that's kind of the questions that I wanted to answer and sort of try to figure out here. And, like, I have no idea what's going to happen in the draft. I have no idea if Chicago's going to trade. I don't know if Washington wants to trade for him. I don't know if he wants to play in Washington. I don't know. I mean, he's now said he will. He's excited to play in Chicago. He's now said that to ESPN today. So I guess we know that now. But there's still a lot of questions, and I just thought he's just a really fascinating prospect for for those reasons. Everything about this dynamic between Caleb, his dad, his team, 
feels very calculated to me. Yes. And it's fascinating because one of my biggest takeaways reading your story was something I kind of been told and sensed already, which was like, I don't even know how aware Caleb's Caleb is of some right. of this stuff that his dad's working on and conversations. Um, you had a couple sources that like mm-hmm. sort of conflicted on to reveal the idea that like Caleb like didn't even know why people were asking some of these questions yeah. about him because of the work his dad's doing. How much of that do you think is because it's kind of uh, it's kind of putting Caleb in a positive light where it's like. We just let him worry about football, and right. his dad takes care of everything else. Right. How much of that do you think is reality, or just sort of yeah. what they're trying to? What they, I, I guess, how involved is Caleb? I think that is the reality. I think they've been very. From everyone I've talked to, they've been very. The Carl and the team around him. He's got a couple um, strategic advisor, publicist, communication specialists. Um, he's got a couple of people at USC that he's really close with that um, help him out with NIL or help him out with endorsements and things like that, and like they are very careful to keep that away from him. Like he's involved when he needs to be involved and they're very conscious to partner with brands that he likes. So that's always part of it. But when it comes to football, from everything I've heard, Carl is not involved in that and he lets Caleb play and like other than maybe picking out who he's training with right now, right? And other than picking where he was going to play in college, right? Um, Those decisions. And that's what Carl has said to GQ is like I've been – he, he talked to GQ in September, and that's what kind of started this whole thing, too, is, like, he said, hey, we could go back to school if we don't like the team that has the number one pick. Now, obviously, they're not doing that. They're in the draft. He's going to play professional football this coming season, so it didn't come to that, right? But Carl's looking at this from that perspective of, I've been prepping my son to get all of the best things for his whole life. We got him with who we thought was the best college coach, Lincoln Riley. That was at Oklahoma. Then Lincoln goes to USC. They follow him to USC. They're able to make these choices, right? No one is forcing them to play college football at any of these destinations. They chose that. He's choosing the brands that he partners with. Now he has no say in the matter. And that's the conflict here is like, oh, how do I deal with that? Like, I've been planning the best things for my son, and now the team with the first pick, it's not Carolina, which is good for them because that would have been the worst team, right? The Bears, you could say, are in a better spot than Carolina is um, because they didn't finish with the worst record. So it's not the worst team in the worst situation, which is what he told GQ that he thought was unfair about the system, but it's still, there's no element of choice. So I think that's the interesting part, but I think what you said is true. Like, Caleb plays football and a lot of these things he doesn't know about. Like, I, I lead off the story with the equity report and mm-hmm. scouts who visited USC this year had to, felt they had to ask him about it. Like, do you want equity in a team? Was that something that really happened? And Caleb's, uh, Caleb didn't know what they were talking about. One scout was like, he was like, what are you talking about? And the other said he said it didn't happen. So I think he is purposely kind of kept at arm's length from some of these things that are the big ideas of his dad. So we're recording this on Wednesday. This podcast is running live on Thursday. Wednesday night, the Bears are interviewing Caleb Williams. It could probably just be a standard combine interview with some film, college film. Bears play gets installed. They want to know the recall. There's a a putt-putt challenge. And there's a (laughs) dart part. Better not beat Matt Eberflus. He might have some serious question marks. But, (laughs) like, like, in all seriousness, like, beyond the combine, like, what type of questions – well, well, do you have, yeah. and then what type of questions do you think some of these teams will have as this process really ramps up post-combine? I mean, I think what he addressed to ESPN today, so he didn't talk to me for the story, which is fine, and no expectation of declined that. Declined comment. Yep, he declined a comment. Um, I didn't 
know him previously. He does know Pete Thamel previously. They have a relationship because Pete covers college football, um, does a lot of USC coverage. So they go back a few years. So he did talk to Pete, and Pete asked him about the rumors that he didn't want to play in Chicago, and he shut those down. He said he, he's excited to play there. Um, he's ex if they trade the pick, he's excited to play for whoever that is. And then he said he has no agenda. They're not pushing any agenda. And I think that quote was important because that was kind of what I would ask him if I was a team. I would say, hey, um, you know, I guess you ask him, who are the teams you would want to play for, right? Like, what are you looking for in a, in a situation for a team? And then, you know, how involved is your dad? Like, what do you actually want? Because I think that was the question. And I think in the ESPN story today, he answered a lot of those questions. And so I think you, if I was a team, I'd still ask those just to see if there's any variance in the way that he answers it or if it feels real. Because we can't tell from reading that, you know, we didn't hear the audio. We don't hear his emotion and expression. Right. And um, that story was really written pretty straight as, like, a newser. Um, so I would ask it again just to, like, feel how he responds. Um, and, and ask it again and again and again. You could ask yeah. it, speaking of variants, ask yeah. today at the Combine and then on March 20th <laughs> right. at the Pro Bowl. Right. At, the, at his pro day, at his sorry. Pro day, yeah. And then when he comes to Hallis Hall for his top 30 visit, yeah. there's other opportunities to, to discover that variance. Right. I like that word. And I think, too, like... I know teams can be a little concerned when someone doesn't sign with an agent just because it being, makes it logistically hard to either negotiate the contract or even get a hold of the player. Like when Lamar Jackson didn't have an agent, I remember scouts were saying to me, they, didn't, they couldn't get in touch with him. Like his mom was his representative, but she wasn't getting back to them. So I think that that's not going to be the issue with Caleb. Like he's got enough people like working for him that I think they're going to be responding in a prompt fashion and like trying to help. But I think, you know, that asking questions about that like why didn't you like how do we manage this process with you going forward would those would be interesting questions too what i'm fascinated about how this plays out even even tonight you know as we record this on wednesday with the with this visit being the start of it and it'll be a short visit but um there almost seems to be like this caleb williams need to inter interview the bears as much as the bears need to interview yeah. caleb williams dynamic to it and we've all been around this league long enough to know that, like, that makes NFL teams uncomfortable right. when they don't have all the power. Right. And, and, and I, that, that's why I keep coming back to this, okay, what's really happening behind the scenes? Now we have Caleb on record saying what he, what he told Pete Thamel. He'll probably say something similar Friday when he talks here. But this whole, like, what's really going on behind the scenes thing, I just feel like it's just sort of that. It's this, like, uncomfortable hey, this isn't a normal mm -hmm. situation, it, it's, it makes teams uncomfortable. They don't like yeah. that. They, they want to have all the power. And I think, like, him not talking until today, like, didn't help because Colin Cowherd reported, like, oh, yeah, that you whole know, thing. that was yeah. – and that was really interesting. I was, like, taking detailed notes on that. I was like, oh, my gosh, because Cowherd said – Caleb and his people don't want to play in Chicago. And then Cowherd kind of put in his own opinion about why Chicago is not the best destination, which we don't really need to explain that much. I think it's the reasons are clear. Yeah. Um, and then the next day he goes on his show and he's like, actually, uh, so last night someone from Caleb's camp called me and they were like, he's, at, he's not anti-Chicago. He's not anti-Bear. He doesn't want to be seen as that kind of bad guy. Like there's a path to success in Chicago. And he sort of walked back his whole report. So I thought that was really interesting because from people I talked to, as you mentioned, everything they do is very planned. It's like they want the questions to be out there, yes. but they want to protect his image at the same yeah, time. Yeah, they, they had yeah. no interest. When I was reporting the story, like, I kept trying to convince people to talk to me by saying, we don't know what's going on. Like, everyone's speculating because there's nothing out there yet. 
now he has spoken, so I guess we could say these things are shut down. But it's funny because it's like my story comes out where it's like we still have questions, and then two hours later he talks, and it's on the same day that these two You're stories right. exist. I'm curious. So that's not a coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> and it just—I don't think that helps to like solve the conflicting narratives thing. Like, so I was trying to use that to get to convince people to talk to me, and there was just like no interest from anyone to like clear anything up on the record. You know, there, people were happy to, like, talk off the record, um, but nobody would say anything on the record, and there was, like, some fear mixed in there. Nobody wants to, like, step in it and say the wrong thing, but they were just not interested in, like, clearing up the speculation, and I guess, I guess why do they, I guess they don't really need to. I don't know. They don't care. They don't need to. Um, now he has, and, I mean, he's clearly the best player. I think he's clearly far and away the best quarterback in this draft, and as I said, he's coming, as we've discussed, he's coming into this with power that, we haven't seen before. Do you think there'll be a point, and this is my last question for you, again, fantastic story, like, do you, do you think there'll be a point where the Bears or Washington, any other team who's interested in him, like, really covets him as, as a player, like, has clarity and enough certainty that they're okay, where, where all these questions we're bringing up, like, the, the whys that you yeah. asked in, in your story, where they're okay with it, or do you think they'll just always linger as part of his story? I think teams are going to be okay with it because, like, you know, some, some scouts I talked to were like, yeah, we have to figure out what's going on with the dad and, like, what's going on with all of that. And then other scouts were like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sold. Like, I don't feel like I need to ask him if he wants to play for this team or not. Like, I, I, I think he's a good character. They're very confident in who he was as a player and as a person. And, like, I think some, I think some teams are probably already there and some scouts are already there. So I do think people will get to that place. And, I, I mean, I think – a lot the consensus is that they're not worried about him on the field they're like they don't think these outside um influences like his dad and wanting to maximize this value and um wanting equity you know they they don't think that will affect his play on the field and you know as long as that's their consensus then i think people are going to be very convinced to take him and i don't think there's going to be much hesitation whoever does end up holding that first pick in the end love this stuff this time of year it's always something at the combine. Always when, when it, yeah. It's always something like this, and then eventually it all sort of settles down, which I, I think your prediction there is probably yeah. how this all plays out when it's all said and done. But great work. Thank you. Outstanding story. Thanks. Everybody should read it in The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns to go subscribe. If for some reason you're not already subscribed, check it out by Kaylin Kaler. Uh, I will say an apology to anyone who thinks that Jim McMahon was a franchise quarterback because <laughs> I have a line in there that my dad, shout out Casey Kaler, really took offense to because I said Chicago's never developed a franchise quarterback. And then he sent me like six yeah. text messages in a row about how Jim McMahon was a franchise quarterback. So if that is I how you feel, that. yes, yeah, yeah. That's a if classic. that's how you feel, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a good disclaimer to throw in there too. I would argue on your side. You're on my side? Yeah. And you're on the other side? No, I'm on your side. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, that he's not a franchise Correct. quarterback. Yeah. Right. Not a true, yeah. Right. Maybe. Unless we lower the bar uh, for the Bears. I'm just thinking of that generation. You got what, Joe Montana, like Jim Kelly? Yeah, yeah. Jim McMahon's not in that. Yeah. Oh. Again, Dan, Dan again if there's a, if, if there's a different standard yeah. for Chicago, then yes. Yeah. But if we hold Chicago to the standard oh, by Chicago yeah, yeah, standards, Chicago yeah. of standard, other teams, yeah. yes. no. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and that's they, the point right there. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe Caleb will end up being that guy. Right. That's the hope, right? Right. All right, thanks so much, Caleb. Thanks, guys. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, 
watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, and works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Okay, I, just fantastic stuff from Kaylin. Be, be sure to read her piece because that's even more fantastic than, than her interview. Just just a great reporter she, she is. Um. By the time, I don't know when you're listening to this or, or watching this on YouTube, you'll probably hear more from, from Caleb Williams. He is meeting the media early Friday here. Like, I'm interested in the ambiance of the moment. I, I just think back of other big-name players who have come through Indianapolis and the crowd yeah. they garner and the, and the questions that are asked and how they're all over the board and just how they handle that. So I'm interested in, in, in that, but really – that 15 minutes that we get with him on, what, Friday morning at like 8 in the morning here in Indianapolis, is, it's less important than the 15, 20 minutes the teams are getting with him, that the Bears got with him. Yeah. You know, on, on Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of that, I believe that Greg Braggs Jr. is already camping out at the podium. <laughs> he's going to sleep there, there. tonight. Uh, he's got a tent ready to go. It's seriously going to be – I can't I, – I, I, he's going to have to get here when the place opens up. What time does it even open? I have no idea. Because, yeah, he's talking, what is it, 8.20, I think, Friday morning. And I just can't imagine how big that media scrum. It's going to be like one of the biggest I've seen. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the biggest. Yeah. I want to say in my history, the Manti Teo one. Oh, yeah. was one of the biggest. If you watch that documentary on him, you could actually see me, like, on the side. I don't know how I got that spot. Oh. But as he went up and did down. Did you camp out the night before? No, I did not. Oh, okay. I just, just, you know, powered myself into that spot. But um, had to do that story that year. Um, Kevin Fishbane will have a story on the whole moment of him talking. But, yeah, it's. Well, so it kind of paint the scene for um, fans because they kind of, even when they see the video of these combine podiums, they probably, you know, it's so zeroed in on whoever's talking. These things are, there's like, what, eight, maybe ten podiums? Yeah. But they're all really close together. Yeah. Which, and in fact, yesterday, or what is that, two days ago now, that when Eberflus was talking at one of them, Doug Peterson was to his right, and I, I think... Less than a stone's throw away. I think Andrew Barry maybe was next uh, to the left, and... I was having trouble hearing Flus because I wasn't close enough up, and I was hearing like Doug Peterson's speaker in my left ear and Flus in my right ear, and I was just like, this. so the point of that is I don't even know how they're going to be able to fit the amount of media that unless they like empty yeah, yeah, the podiums yeah, yeah, yeah. next to yeah. them because it's it's going to be it's going to be really hard to kind of get everybody who wants to be there. It's certainly hard to get a question in. 
Um, and of course, more importantly, it'll be interesting to hear what Caleb Williams has to has say. To say yeah. yeah, yeah, it's probably maybe some similar comments as was in that ESPN article. Um, there'll be questions about Chicago. There'll be questions about going home to Washington. But really what matters is what he tells teams. And again, by the time you listen to this, maybe he's already spoken, and um, you, can, you can catch all that. So, and, and we'll circle back on it next week, obviously. Um, also, tomorrow's CHGO show, if you catch that, we're, we're going to be reacting to everything Caleb Williams has to say. We don't get to hear or see from him very much. And he'll probably be a bear in a couple months. So <laughs> um, probably start time to, to get to understand who he is and what that dynamic is like because one of the things Kalen had in her story is that he doesn't do a lot of interviews. Yeah. Unless yeah. it has to do with his foundation. Well, if he's drafted by the Bears, he's going <laughs> to have to do it every single week, twice a week. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Well, more on this quarterback conversation. Uh, Randy Mueller wrote about the possibility of – Trading Justin and the number one overall pick. He's coming from the GM's perspective and the conversations that they have to have, kind of weighing all options. Uh, Randy, of course, longtime GM in the league, does great work. And uh, here's our conversation with Randy Mueller. Good to have Randy Mueller back on the show. And uh, nice to meet you in person. Every time we've had you on, it's been over Zoom. So uh, it's good to see you. It's great to be here. You know, I've not been here in this capacity before, and I feel like I'm feeling my way around like a rookie you know i don't know where i'm going i had to ask kent the other day how to get there and i've been here 35 years but never on this side of the building so it's been fun the, the, the well, new radio row that seems to yeah. be growing every, every year awesome. it's bigger and bigger love it no it's a it's a it's a great event it's a fun week it's an exhausting week too yeah. um and uh, obviously the biggest conversation down here this entire week has been about the bears and their quarterback situation Feels like more of when, not if, Justin Fields will be traded at this point. Um, and you had a great piece in The Athletic uh, that we've been discussing uh, about possibly the idea of, you know, do you trade Justin and the number one pick, depending on who else you like at quarterback? So before we get into, like, some of the specific quarterbacks that could be involved in that, just where were you coming from from that perspective in what you wrote? I was coming from the GM chair, having been there for a long time in the NFL, and just kind of wanted people to know that there are no decisions that are that simple. You've got to discuss and vet out a lot of them, and each case brings up a different set of dynamics, and maybe this is just my opinion. I love to have those kind of discussions uh, internally. We would sit around and speak on these topics for hours, and I just sometimes would listen because somebody's going to bring something up that I hadn't thought about, and maybe we make that part of the process. So by writing what I did about Caleb, I just thought that, that they're going to have to view this outside the prism of Caleb versus Fields. And I think there are other options that have to, not, not recommending any other options, just saying that they have to have had discussed these other ones. There are other quarterbacks in play, depending on if they did move on, how far back they traded, uh, and maybe could, you know, have their cake and eat it too. You know, in other words, gather yeah. some, some chips to use to, to be part of the bigger build, but yet still check the quarterback box, that's all. From your GM chair, your experience, like why is the timing just right for the Bears to, to make this pivot from fields to any rookie quarterback? If we, could, if we could just start there, like why it makes sense to you given your experiences? Well, I think obvious is the resetting of the contract. That is probably what everybody talks about most. I think the development of... Justin, and I've been a Justin fan and, and thought he would be and still think he's going to be a really good player at the NFL level. I think there are some things that may not be 
evident yet in that regard. And I think you can only wait so long for that. And I'm not placing blame on him at all. I mean, the Bears have had a couple of different systems. They have their own set of issues as well yeah. to deal with. So um, I think in, in, for the most part, um, his skill set fits certain offenses better than some. And we all know that. Everybody in Chicago, whoa, that, that's really enlightening. Not, not necessarily um, – this skill set that has proved to win Super Bowls. And that, at the end of the day, when, when it causes me to decide, it, it, I'm, I'm go- what's my vision of our offense, and is that vision a Super Bowl? And I don't know where Justin is with regard to that. He may get there. It just may take a little more time. But for the most part, it's the contract. It's the resetting of that. Um, I also think that you can't get good at your trade when things keep changing around you. And so I'll say that on, on his behalf yes. in that, I mean, to get really good at any of our jobs, we'd like some stability. So we not, we're not memorizing and trying to figure out the new parts to it. We can just concentrate on our craft. And I don't think that's been talked about enough is that the craft that he came in with is probably the same craft that he has now. It just hasn't been able to be advanced, and that's not all on him. I thought that, that, and this is kind of offbeat, but the one thing the Bears had to do this season was find out if Justin Fields could get the ball out from a pure technical football standpoint. Get, can he get it out on time? That, to me, he showed flashes of that, yeah. but I'm but, not sure the consistency yeah. of that. So I always have that in the back of my mind. That's the answer we need. Yeah. Forget about all the next options, the quarterbacks and all that. It, that probably didn't happen for me as much as I wanted to. The fact that there are other options now, make the decision, I think, a little easier. And, and one of the things we keep bringing up, too, is like going back to last summer, we were all on the same page that like the biggest question the Bears had to have answered this year was if Justin Fields was their guy. And so for us to be here at the Combine and still be a question, yeah. it kind of answers the question right. to me. Now, uh, so I, if it, put yourself in Ryan Poles' shoes, having pulled off the trade you did last year, because this was the same conversation last year. Right, you know, they had the number one pick. There was quarterbacks that they liked that they talked to, and they chose to stay with Fields. But now another year's gone by, and you pulled off that huge trade that has now resulted in you having access to Caleb Williams. Is there any world in which you, as the GM, pass again on one of these quarterbacks? You understand what I'm saying? Just like it just seems like it's been lined up this way the whole time. It would be risky. And, and I've always been one that I don't mind taping my ankles every day. I'll, I'll take some risk, but this would probably be a little beyond even my <laughs> risk level. I don't think you can not check that box at the end of the day. Um, I think last year is very explainable, and I, I get a kick out of a lot of media. A lot of people say, hey, well, everybody had Bryce Young as the top no-brainer. That's not necessarily true. In fact, I know it wasn't for me at all. So I knew there was some doubts there. Um, so I understand why they did what they did last year. But you bring up the right point is that there was no Caleb last year. I know C.J. Stroud was, has been what probably beyond what anybody thought he was. Um, but in this case, I think Caleb, most would say he's more of a slam dunk and makes that decision, I think, an easy one. It's just a matter of how it plays out for yeah. me, how the decision plays out and what may or may not come with it. At the end of the day, I'm not recommending any crazy deals. I mean, I think Caleb is that good. Let's just take him and move on and not overthink it. What, I guess in that regard, what boxes do you have left, or what boxes do you think the Bears have left 
to check uh, on Caleb Williams? Like, what questions, lingering concerns would you have sitting in Ryan Poles' chair starting here and then the pro days, you know, the, this, this long process? Like, what, left, what, 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 do, what do you have left to figure out? Not much. Yeah. I mean, they, they have their board set. They know how their evaluations are. They know how their people have felt about him throughout the fall. Um, I kind of went through the same process this fall as I would have as a GM. I looked at a lot of tape. I went to a game live. Um, I've seen him interact. I, I've done, I've talked to enough scouts who have gathered the intangible information. I don't see any red flags. You know, I heard the, I heard the uh, gossip of, well, he paints his fingernails and he jumped into his mom's lap and get out of here. Give me a break. None of that stuff really matters to me. So I think the biggest maybe hurdle that the Bears have from now until April is to not get talked out of something they already know. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's, that's real sometimes. I know as a GM, I would shut down my mind from any outside sources for at least a month before the draft. I think it's harder to do now for GMs than ever because it's constant. It's almost like Ryan has to shut it all down as of a month ago or two months ago. He can't really take the outside sources because they really don't know what one you want and, and what you see and, and know the scheme, how it fits, and your coaches, how it fits. He knows that more than anybody, so you, you really can't listen to the birds chirping outside your building. There's a lot of birds. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a flock of them. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Like Alfred Hitchcock it's like, it's made like a movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. So you got to tune it out. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Can I just mention this? Yeah. Yeah. I think he has done an awesome job at handling the media, at answering questions, at delivering the message, especially the last few weeks, and creating a little bit of urgency behind the fact that he wants to take care of Justin, he wants this to happen quickly. And at the same time, that's a message to the other 31 teams. Hey, if you want in on this, you better get in on it. And that's, he said that without saying it. Yes. And, and you know, we were, we were talking about that earlier because I think, I think we agree. You have GMs, of course, that, you know, basically say nothing, yeah. avoid a lot of questions. He doesn't really do that. Yeah. He gives answers. But at when, you know, whatever his press conference or interview's over – it's not like he gave anything away, really. Right. He just he, he, he and he, and you could tell like some of these subtle messages that he's sending out to other teams, and he did it last year too. I mean, he basically put a for sale sign on the number one pick mm-hmm. right here last year in Indianapolis. It's a skill, it, trust me, and it's really good to see. And that's why I mentioned it. Thought it was worth talking about that he, I think, is doing a really good job of that. Having been in that chair, it's not easy for everybody. You you must seem authentic for the most part without giving away your hand. And he has a good nature for that. Would there be any offers, and this is going back to your column, would there be any offers or conversations that make you change your thought process, your plan at number one? Like whether it's Washington, which is number one and number two, like what would blow you away in terms of like an offer for them for you to change your whole plan? You You think that's like a realistic conversations or even a scenario to, for them to, to experience here? I don't think I would ever change my mind because it's a quarterback. If it were another position, maybe. But what I don't know is how others feel about it. Let's just say Washington, and, and you don't really, we don't know how they have lined things up either. Um, a lot of times when I would trade back in the first round, I would get that team to tell me maybe not who they were picking, but kind of what side of the ball maybe it was going to be picking. So you can gain some information there. I think the fact that you discuss all options leads you to maybe undiscovering or discovering some new news and some new parts to make that decision. So realistically, do I think 
any of this is going to amount to anything? No, I don't. I think, but it's all part of the due diligence you have to do as the lead decision maker. I want to talk about some of the other quarterbacks too. Um, one of the interesting things I thought in your column was something I've already been thinking about a little bit, so it was nice reading it from you and kind of validating it, but this idea that like there's the top three quarterbacks and then there's like a, a separation. You kind of hinted in your column that there might be more separation between Caleb and even Drake May and, and Jaden Daniels. Is that how you feel right now? That's how I feel for yeah. sure, yes. I do think there's a separation there. And I think we, listeners, fans, they only know what's rolled out in front of them. So the narrative can be somewhat controlling. And, and you're right. The, the, the draft has been packaged as a three-quarterback view. I got news for you. The teams don't see it like that all the time. Now, some might, but they may have a four-quarterback package or they may have a one-quarterback package. Everybody views these. It's subjective, and it's not to say anybody's right or wrong. The, the NFL teams, even people like myself who, who are not with a team, um, we, we tend to not care how a mock draft comes out. I'm not looking to predict who picks who. I'm looking to predict who is going to be the best three or four years from now. So that being the case, I think there may be another quarterback or two that gets lumped into that group, um, depending on the scheme, where he goes, the coach who he may be attached to. Um, I always think the biggest part of the evaluative process is when the coaches get involved, and that doesn't happen until now. Yeah. Our board might be set, but coaches haven't had their say yet either. And they'll get a little bit of a say, more in some buildings than others, but I always look forward to them having a little bit of a chance to, to be heard as well. And that may change when the order, and it may change the number of names in that package. If I were to, uh, if I were to tell you that J.J. McCarthy ends up being the second quarterback drafted, how surprised would you be if that played out that way? Wouldn't be surprised. Wow. Um, I just think there's a skill set there that it's, one, hard to identify because of the offense that Michigan ran mm-hmm. and the things that he was asked to do. But there is a skill set there that I think – would get me excited. For example, if I'm a Sean Payton or a Sean McVay or somebody like that in that, what he can do in a system like that, I think the sky's the limit. And he may have more potential than all these guys because of, I don't want to say he's been held down, but we know less about it. But having said that, I can understand why, do peop- why people do look at him and, and can't really figure it out yet and don't have enough body work to figure it out. I've talked to some coaches who love the kid, absolutely love him. We'll see how it plays out. What, what do you like about him? I, I like all of the things that I care about. I like the ability to process. I like the consistent accuracy. I like the ability to vary my velocity depending on the throw. In other words, sometimes you have touch. Sometimes you have layers you have to throw over. Sometimes i got to set my feet and drive the ball. I get all those answers in the film I watch with him. Um, the kid's 20 years old. He can't even go have a beer yet. So there is upside beyond He's upside. He's the youngest out of yeah, all of them. That's yeah. what I mean. There's upside beyond upside. Um, so those things excite me a little bit. Um, there's a lot of intangibles that I really like about the kid. So, again, it, it just takes one team to feel that kind of same way, and that kind of upsets the whole apple, apple cart, you know. How about Jaden Daniels? I feel like we've talked about Drake May. We've talked about Caleb Williams. Now we just talked about J.J. McCarthy. What do you see? What, what do you like? What don't you like? I know he was, was at Arizona State before LSU, but why do you think he's in the conversation for a top-five pick? 
I remember looking at Jaden Daniels his freshman year at Arizona State, and I was kind of putting together a, a, a really a Pac-10 or Pac-12 quarterback list at that time. I thought he was really good, and I think I put like a third-round grade on him, top of the third round as a freshman. And then they had a lot of turmoil at Arizona State, and he kind of went the wrong yeah. way, as, and it resulted in him moving on to LSU. Now I think he's kind of picked up from where I saw him as a freshman and obviously taking it to the next level. Um, I think he's really good. I think he's a combination of a lot of what we've talked about with these other guys, maybe uh, athletic enough to, to um, get himself in trouble sometimes um, because his legs are such, so valuable. But I saw this kid process information from the pocket, and really that's the key for me. Eventually you have got to make all the throws from the pocket. If you can't, there's, there's only so many things a coach can scheme and do with you when you're running around. But if you're in the pocket, the whole world is, is your target, right? And he has the arm to make those throws. So I like Jaden a lot. I think he's progressed as much as anybody, but I think he had about three years in his college career where it went nowhere. And now it's kind of kicked in again, whether it's Brian Kelly or whatever that system has done for him. It helps to have really good receivers like he had. Um, so I would be fired up to have him, and, and obviously he's going to get picked, I would assume, probably in the top five somewhere, depending on how teams see the, the, the sequencing of those quarterbacks. Tell me if I'm crazy for this, but when I was watching him, and I think I, I keyed in on the, the game against Alabama, um, I saw a lot of Justin. Like it reminded me of watching Justin Fields' Ohio State tape. Mm-hmm. In that, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but what I'm, you know, obviously his ability to run, scramble when he has to, but a lot of deep throws, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. And you said you saw him processing from the pocket, which is which is big. I felt like I was seeing a lot of half reads and maybe not going all the way through the progressions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of reminded me of watching Justin's college tape, too, where I'm like, this guy is going to be good. He's probably going to play early. He's going to help a team. But three years down the road, where are we going to be on his ability to process? Yeah. Does that make sense or am yeah. I off no, base? No, I think it yeah. makes great sense. And it's, it's great because these are the kind of discussions NFL guys are having in the room. And so I, I can respect and appreciate that opinion. Um, and I concur with you a lot on, on that processing and what they ask him to do from a half-field standpoint. That comes into play at times. Um, I kind of think of, and maybe it's a fault, but I see that freshman year, I see the three other wasted years, I see where he's come the last year and a half or so at LSU, and so I see more of the future for him. I, see, I think I see enough of that processing to say this kid's going to get it when he gets an NFL system in place. He is going to be ready because I think he can make correct decisions. Um, and he doesn't have to do it with his legs. If your fail-safe is to run, that won't, that's not sustainable at the NFL level because those guys chasing you are bigger, faster, and they're going to get you down. Um, I think in his case, his fail-safe can be hitting a check down can be hitting a dump off, can be hitting a, a, a lower or closer level throw. Um, but I can understand why you're saying it, and I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I'm saying probably the truth is in between us in how we view that processing. How hard is that? Like, is that the hard – what we're talking about right now is taking something you're starting to see with a kid, yeah. but now you're betting a first-round pick on him. Yeah. Like, how hard is that to project forward – Oh, we think he's going to figure it out, but you really don't know. Yeah, it, it's yeah. the magic key. It's the one thing about quarterbacks that make it a little bit of a tougher puzzle to solve. But I think we're talking about now, and I, I love it, at a higher level, 
That's the discussion that has to happen. And what some people, evaluators, will do is they'll go back to the college coaches. They'll go back to what exactly he was asked to do and then kind of take that information with, did he do it? Did he not do it? And I'm not taking the coach's word for that. I want to see it with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. So I think it does. They're going to have more information than you and I, they as in the NFL teams, about exactly what we're talking about. Has your opinion of of Drake May maybe changed at all, shifted at all, since the last time we talked to you, and you seem to have a clear separation just in terms of how you viewed Caleb Williams and him? Yeah, no, it hasn't changed. I mean, I I think sometimes, and that can be a, a negative for us as evaluators too. You get anchored on an initial position. I tried not to make an impression until I saw a a pretty good body of work. Um, I just see some things there that, and he may end up being great. He may get better at some of these things because I know people who love him as evaluators. Um, But I just see a little inconsistency in accuracy. I see an arm and a delivery that to me isn't what I would want. Some might not bother him at all. Those, I mean, we're, we're, I guess from my NFL background, I'm a little too critical at times, but we carve them up pretty good in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's part probably, of the job. Yeah, yeah, it's part yeah, of the job. Yeah, yeah. So we don't, we'll never hear an NFL team say those kind of things because they don't want to carve anybody up. So I'm trying to be nice, and I'm trying to say, hey, there's some things I have questions about. But in particular with him, it, it's a little bit of processing. It's a little bit of inconsistent accuracy. And it's a lot of, for me, arm strength. I see some of this instead of really being able to drive the ball at times. Um, just my opinion. Yeah. 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 What do you think this combine, these, these few days, the next few weeks, like what do you think this is like for Ryan Poles? As someone who's like done this job, here he is with – 80 million in cap space. Yeah. Every agent here is going to talk to him or someone on his staff. Yeah. He's got the first pick. He's probably going to trade Justin Fields sooner than later. Um, he's got the ninth pick. Yeah. <laughs> People forget about that ninth pick. Like, what do you think this is like for Ryan Poles right now? I know what it's like. It, yeah. is, it is a million deals in your head spinning yeah. around at all times. Yeah. The multitasking skill set is underrated. People don't know that that's the kind of, within certain times of the year, that's the kind of dealings you have. He probably got 50 deals around in his head now with options all over the place. Some guys are really good at handling all that. Some guys can't. They got to focus on one or two things. It's an exciting time. I think it's a great time. It's the part I probably miss about the job more than anything are times like this when you have, I did my best work when shit was chaos. And, and I think, Ryan, I can see he has a good feel for that, um, whether that can equate to putting it all together and then fixing things that didn't go like he thought. Time will tell, but I like his demeanor, and, and I think what it's like for him is um, you have to be a great listener. And, and what's also like for him is you wake, lay awake at night thinking about everything you've heard from people you care about before you make that decision. The good thing about Ryan Poles is because he comes from the background of, I think this is where I came from as well, he can make up his own mind. He doesn't have to hear from you, from me, from anybody on a particular player. He knows in his mind this skill set and he knows what to look for. I would struggle with guys that can't, they have to just go on what they hear or what they've been told. At the end of the day, Ryan Poles can shut it all down and say, here's what I'm doing. 
But in the meantime, I'm going to take into account and listen to the people I've surrounded myself with. Well, he probably still does have to hear from us, but he doesn't have to listen to it. Yeah, I got you. That's all right. That's good. I would love that part of it, too. I always like to hear everybody's opinion. I'll say this about mock drafts in regard to that. I'm not a big mock draft guy, but I thought there was a great time to bring mock drafts into the process, and it was two or three days before the draft. And we would have the craziest mock drafts. I used to instruct everybody, bring in the craziest stuff you've ever seen. because we're going to talk about it, yeah. and it's going to spike something that we hadn't talked about yet or that I thought was even a possible. So I like these ideas. I like hearing from everybody. Um, at the end of the day, I'll decide, but at the same time, I'm going to have an informed decision as much as I can. And you want to play out every scenario, yes, right? You, 100%. You have to. It's, you have it's to. the beginning of our conversation. You have yep. to yep. be ready for every little surprise, and yeah. that's, that's what the NFL draft is really it sometimes. Is. That's why I did my wild Justin Fields mock draft earlier this week. Get it out of the way. That yeah. I knew it was not <laughs> realistic, and part of the reason why I think Caleb Williams will end up being a bear in a yeah. couple months. So, uh, Randy, we like hearing from you, and we really appreciate you jumping on with us today. It's a great conversation. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Right, thanks, Randy. Thanks. So, Johns, I, I like that he went down that road. It, it's, it's like a similar thought process to why I did the mock draft I did on Monday of you know, the keep Justin Fields scenario. Because the Bears did that too, you know, at some point. Um, you got to vet every single possibility when you're sitting in that GM chair. And even if at the end of what your exercise is, is that you don't think it's realistic, which is kind of where I was with the Justin yeah. Fields thing I did earlier in the week, because it kind of proved the same conclusion. So I was just, I, I do think that there's, I'm convinced Justin's getting traded. I'm convinced they're drafting a quarterback. I think you and I agree on that. But maybe there is a world where, okay, they've traded Justin. Maybe a month goes by, getting closer and closer to the draft, and all of a sudden, maybe there is a team that's, like, itching to really get up there, and there's another quarterback the Bears like enough to make them move off yeah, their Caleb their, Williams. Their grades would have to be close enough to okay such, the, such a move. Just like Randy said, like... This is the quarterback we're talking about. Yeah. Like, but if someone comes to you with like a Ricky Williams like offer, what are you supposed to do? You, is you, Dick on the other end you, of the? You phone? have to like consider this. <laughs> yeah. But again, like then you're questioning yourself. Like, okay, what am I missing now that like they're going all all in? And yeah. You have to feel comfortable with your own evaluations. I do think it is a realistic scenario where there is. A trade back, I don't know how far because there is some risk involved with that where they, like, I am convinced the Bears are taking a quarterback. In terms of this scenario, I think it's realistic, but something would have to happen between now and the draft that changes their thought process on Caleb Williams. Is it possible? Sure, anything's possible. But just in terms of that scenario where, okay, we're taking a quarterback, we've traded Justin Fields, what, something happened, trade back? I, I think it could happen. Like, it's a realistic scenario that you have to discuss if you're the Yeah, realistic enough to talk about. I still think, you know. The, it's why you're spending time yeah. with Drake May, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, all of them. But the Vegas odds have to be like minus 1,000 yeah, right now. Yeah. That, that that Caleb Williams would well, be Well, it's like pick. the model of the Boy Scouts. You know what the model <laughs> of the Boy Scouts is? I don't. Be prepared. It's a motto, no? It's a okay. good song in Lion King. Yes. <laughs> Be prepared. Is it? I don't. Come on. When Scar's with the oh, hyenas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I'm when you When you were really stuff, young, you're, you're kind of scared. Kids still get a little scared of that part. Uh, 
I know what you're talking about with yeah. the hyenas. Um, hey, man. Light. Oh, and there, yeah, I know what you're talking Be about now. Be prepared. <laughs> I'll sing it, man. Please don't. Yeah, you Please don't. It. We're going to lose everybody watching and listening. Do, right do now. you think that Ryan Poles and his staff sing that <laughs> as they're getting ready for the draft? <laughs> yeah. Be prepared yeah. for everything? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you have to be, though. Um, as unrealistic as some things could be, you have to play it all out in your simulations. Yeah. Um, well, it was a fun episode. A lot of good stuff. Long episode. But, uh, you know, a lot of stuff at the Combine to talk about. So, thanks to Kalen for jumping on. Thanks to Randy. Um, we are going to, at some point, get some sleep and head back home. But uh, still, you know, tomorrow's a big quarterback day. And, it is. Uh, and then they're going to throw. Well, some of them are going to throw. Caleb's not going to throw on Saturday. J.J. McCarthy will throw on Saturday. Um, and then we'll be back next week to kind of wrap it all up and, and see what else we learned. Um, there you have it. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. At Hogan Johns is the show account. And um, you can read The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. And also, uh, please go to HoganJohns.com to check out our merch. Did I say all that right? I feel like I yeah, lost my yeah, mind yeah. a little there for a second. You're still in Hawaii. I wish. I would. No, I like being in Indy. It'll be next week that I wish I'm in Hawaii. Hawaii. Fair uh, enough. The combine week is fun enough that I'm happy I'm here. Uh, one more big dinner tonight, and then, then we'll head home. All right. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Be prepared. See ya. <laughs> Nothing's off the table. Nothing is on the table right now.